activate the view screen and turn on your universal translators because it is time for another Galactic Netcast. Brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash galacticnetcasts. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Hey, it's Thursday, August 8th, 2013, and welcome to another Galactic Netcast. This is the Time Traveling Robots in Space number 60. From Waterloo, Iowa, I'm Dave Nelson. Joining me as always is Glendale, California's Paul Swickard and Anessa Moyens from Denton, Texas. How are you guys doing? Doing good. How are you? Fan flipping tastic. All right, Paul. How about you? What's going Dave, on? Dave, I am rolling, 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 mm-hmm. rolling, rolling, rolling. Are you? Like are you? Wait a minute. Are you talking about ride? <laughs> or are you talking about the Limp Biscuit song? Um, I was doing the ride like raw hide, and I think Dave was doing Limp Biscuit. I was doing Limp Biscuit. Yes. <laughs> Two different right. genres. I, I respect that, Dave. What a weird, <laughs> what a weird way to start the show. It is weird. Why? <laughs> have you seen Fred Durst recently? He's probably overweight. I'm guessing. I remember seeing a picture of him. And he looks really old. Okay. I, I got nothing. I don't remember. Oh, I like thought you had overweight. I thought you were gonna have some insight. Like, <laughs> I saw him on House. Like not too long, like the toward, like one of the ending episodes of House, and that was like a year ago. Uh-huh. And I think he just came out with a new album. Okay, but yeah, it wasn't very good, from what I understand. Yeah, they have not yeah. been. They haven't Fred been. Durst, the world is light on Fred Durst news. I'm just going to go out <laughs> and say that. <laughs> so I wasn't really prepared so for. Ne- a, so next cross. next time we need to dig up some Fred Durst news for the show. But that, <laughs> That'll be the top of the top of the show. A little get us get us warmed up for uh, time traveling robots in space. I will do my Fred Durst ordered utmost. an orange mocha chip frappuccino. <laughs> I'm guessing you'll find some oh. stories on on TMZ possibly. Orange mocha frappuccino. Hey, I I just realized something. Since we came back, we have not done any uh, Glendale crazy Glendale stories. That's true. Oh, that's true. Has there anything, any, any weird weirdness been going on in Glendale? There's always weirdness going on in Glendale. <laughs> always. Okay. Um, I, okay. This was in the news today. Um, a, a good Samaritan was driving down in one of the main streets of Glendale, and it was about three in the morning, found a three-year-old just walking across the street. Oh, my God. And like, and they were so. At first, this person thought that this kid was with somebody. Realized that it wasn't. Turned around, and, and he was just kind of wandering with a tablet. He had a big old tablet, and he was just kind of wandering, looking around, looking very confused. And so they, so they called the police. They try to find his house, and the mom, the mom, when they got to the front door, the mom was in utter panic mode like just absolute panic and they uh, for whatever reason decided that there wasn't enough to prosecute her okay for doing anything wrong just because i guess there was no history of neglect with the family though i think it's kind of funny how does a three-year-old 
do that. Yeah, I don't know. Just wandered <laughs> I off. I don't know. But I just found it funny that in Glendale you could, you know, potentially run across a small child and <laughs> well, just have them be there. You know, they're the crazy. Glendale's crazy with feral uh, toddlers. Apparently, <laughs> feral. That is the correct word. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right, so this is the show where we talk about uh, time-traveling robots and space and science fiction and science fact. We do so by running down a story from each topic, discuss our uh, picks for the week, and ask and answer the question of the week, a lot of the weeks. Uh, For our audio subscribers, catch us live by following Twitter, Facebook, and Google+. Just look for... uh, galactic netcast and start following us and then we'll let you know when we're going to go live and when we do it's at galacticnetcast.com slash live so are you guys ready to go yes sir all right let's do this thing i got the first story all right um so deadline.com is reporting that the writer of life of pi david mcgee is this the writer um, for the sh- for the movie or for the original book? Oh, good point. I believe it's probably the movie. Yeah, since yeah, he's... I think he wrote. Oh, I think they this fellow wrote, or rather, wrote it, like, like adapted it. For okay, the yeah. so he's the screenwriter, not the writer of the book. Right. All right. I think. Sorry, didn't mean to throw that. No, it's all right. It's all right. Um. So, anyways, uh, Dave, I'll call him Dave, is venturing into <laughs> TV. Uh, McGee has teamed up with. Michael Green for a high concept drama project which has landed on the American Broadcasting Company, otherwise known as ABC. Uh, written by McGee with Green supervising. Hey, you're not doing that right. He, he needs more uh, <laughs> that kind of supervise. Um, <laughs> Travelers is what it's called. Uh, centers on a man who brings his family to a wake for the father he never knew, only to discover that the doors inside the father's estate are time portals which trap them in the house and send them on a journey through history. Huh. Uh, 20th Century Fox TV, where Green is under an overall deal, is producing uh, three arts... Okay, this is all fucking deadline stuff. <laughs> I can't believe I just said God the F word. On air. It's been... It's, it's a very curse-filled night. Let me, let me plant this in your brain, David. What would have happened right there if uh, you were on air in <laughs> Iowa and uh, I that been, were to go down? Let, let's hear what the drama that I would have been back where I was over a year ago, unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been that bad? Yeah. Well, maybe I would have been suspended or gotten a talking to. I don't know. Maybe, maybe like a warning. Like if it happens again, yeah. Nelson, you're out the door. Yeah. Nelson, my office. <laughs> this is like a cop show. <laughs> Nelson, did you curse on the air again? <laughs> you wrecked 20 cars. <laughs> okay, what was that movie? It's the third time this week. What was the movie where the chief, like he wanted to be mean, but he couldn't. He was nice. What movie, movie was you were talking about? What is it? The movie you are thinking of is So I Married an Ex-Murderer. Yes, yes, yes. So I Married an Ex-Murderer. Yes, he was trying to be the stereotypical uh, chief and was not doing yeah. very well at it. And it was played by that guy, that that guy. He's in a lot of stuff. But yeah, he was trying to, like, he all because this one particular police officer wanted to have that more action-y type thing, like, in his life. 
So he was trying to encourage the chief to be more mean. Yeah. And he... <laughs> this is pathetic. He he was, you know, you know, you have to say something like, you do this one more time, you're suspended. Or something like, like the mayor's going to chew my ass out. And then he, then the chief corrects him. He goes, "Well, I don't technically report to the mayor. I report to a committee." <laughs> and then doesn't he like yell at him in one scene? And he's like, "And he goes, how was that?" Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Sorry, tangent. No, great tangent. Love, love that kind of tangent. All right, so no additional information regarding the time, uh, the timeline for Travelers has been released, but uh, ABC's got it. They're writing it. They're probably going to produce it. That's good news. We need more time travel in our media. That's for sure. It's true. Indeed we do. Is this something that you would be interested in? Sure. I mean, Actually, yeah. Like I would like to you know, see at least the pilot and see how it goes because I think it's an interesting concept that like this family goes to a memorial or a wake, I guess, and get trapped inside a house traveling through time. I hope it's not like the typical... Like I can already kind of see where this story's going. It's like... Okay, the the story made a point to say that it was an absentee father, right? I get the impression that the reason he was an absentee father is because of the house. Yeah, probably. Oh, yeah. I hope it's not as simple as all that. Okay. I could see I this. I could see at least that being incorporated, right. but they're stuck still traveling and whatnot. I, this could be an interesting mix of genres because they're traveling through history, right? So maybe right. a, a history lesson or two. Plus, so like Quantum Leap plus what? Line Witch in the Wardrobe? Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, and there's, there's kids. The kids are along for the ride. And um, so it's not like an adult series necessarily, but, you know, family drama, you know. All right. Okay, picture. Okay, this is my, ele- my elevator pitch. All right. It's cross between The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, uh, 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 Quantum Leap, and uh, Little House on the Prairie. Wow. <laughs> so, was it Land of the Lost that had the family living with oh, the dinosaurs? Yes. Land of the Prairie. Okay. ordered. I go back. I go back. Okay. It's a cross between Quantum <laughs> Leap, Land of the Lost. I love how gruff you got. Like, I know. Here's the deal. <laughs> this is my pitch. <laughs> but I got nothing. It's going to be epic. So, uh, Travelers. Coming to a All TV right. near you on ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. All right. Uh, we would love your feedback on the stories that we're talking about tonight. Um, and you can do that very simply by uh, leaving us an email, galacticnetcasts, galacticnetcasts at gmail.com. You can uh, leave us a voicemail or send us a text using this number, 805. You can send us a text? Yes, yes. I didn't know that. Yeah. Really? Yes. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. This is breaking news, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Paul's behind the times. He doesn't. I guess so. Yeah. Uh, 805-328-3966. 805-328-3966. You can like us on Facebook, Google Plus, and Twitter, or you can go to our website and go to contact.galacticnetcast.com, or just go to galacticnetcast.com, and um, if you're confused by all the different ways of getting a hold of us. That's probably the, <laughs> the best way to go about it. All right, let's move on and talk about these guys right here. Robots. Swimming robots. 
swimming robots in space. So we're covering. <laughs> we're we're killing two birds, two out of the three birds with one stone here. <laughs> exactly. Um, although they're not quite in space yet, they're still working on them and trying to perfect everything. Um, but basically. Um, NASA is trying to develop a robot that will hang out on Titan in one of the oceans uh, collecting data. So right now what they're doing is they have the robot floating out in a lake in the Chilean Andes. So the glacier-fed Laguna Negra in the Chilean Andes um, is where NASA and SETI Institute scientists have been testing a floating robot whose successors may eventually parachute into a sea on Titan, Saturn's largest moon. It's not filled with liquid methane, nor is it negative 297 degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> but otherwise, Laguna Negra does a passable impression of an alien sea. And it's because it's surrounded by a barren environment with a thin atmosphere and is vulnerable to storms, avalanches, and possibly volcanoes. Due to global warming, the glacial lake is also rapidly changing, which is ideal circumstances for a robot being taught to recognize shifts in fluid environment. Titan has the distinction of being the only other body in our solar system known to have stable liquid on its surface. That liquid is mostly made of gases, methane, and ethane, but the fact that the moon has seas, lakes, rain, and glaciers make it closer to Earth than anything else in our solar system. So... Um, through this winter, the Lake Lander is exploring Laguna Negra unsupervised, but the study team is preparing for another field visit in a few months when they will refine the most ambitious part of the project, investing the robot with intelligence. Because we need intelligent robots in space to start their robot study to come back and invade Earth and destroy us all. Yes. <laughs> You know, the smarter, the better, I say. <laughs> so, um, but like until now, extraplanetary robot explorers have been micromanaged from Earth. Uh, but communication between Earth and Titan would take hours each direction. Mm -hmm. So the robot must be built with some decision-making and problem-solving capacity. Also, since rain and other weather phenomena occur on Titan... An exploration robot would need to know when something unusual is happening so it can stop what it's doing and pay attention. Um, to do this, the robot will have to become familiar with its, quote, normal environment and detect when something abnormal happens. For example, if the robot floats near shore, it will be able to recognize that and begin taking photographs in a series of scientific measurements. So, Interesting. I think that's, yeah, I think it's cool, but... Of course, you know, we're all about giving robots their own intelligence. See, what's going to happen? <laughs> what's going to happen is he's going he's gonna to freak out when he gets there, and then he's going to, like, uh, take parts of his body and make other robots and use the chemicals in the atmosphere to create metals, and <laughs> then they're going to, like, build an invading force of robots and come back to Earth and kill us all. Pretty that much. took a weird turn. <laughs> <laughs> From let's explore Titan's oceans to robots are going to go to Titan and colonize and come back and destroy Earth. <laughs> Titan's a good place in any, right? Like, hey, yeah. that's a, it's a pretty good place. That's why they it call it Titan. It sounds pretty epic. It's coming from Titan. <laughs> yeah, Titan. Titan, rather than it's coming from Pluto. <laughs> Um, I That's saw not even really a planet. Yeah, I, I saw. Know, a, it's a dwarf planet. I saw a story recently about 
they want to send a robot to the moon and walk around. That would be really cool. I really think that we need to do more moon explorations because, I mean, we've gone up there a few times, but since Apollo 17, we haven't been back. Yeah, and just think of all the um, science. Is that right, Apollo 17? Yeah. Yeah. Because they made up the movie with the 18th one. Remember, it was lost. So Apollo seven, 18 yeah. was the, yeah. Oh, yeah, I never saw that. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. Um, so, yeah, I just... Yeah, I, I just think about how how our technology has advanced since the Apollo seventeen. So we could really we could take up really really sophisticated equipment and actually get some good readings. You know, get some. We uh, could. So yeah, we can get a lot more information to analyze and maybe even consider like setting up a moon base um, with the updated and more accurate information that we would have now. I'd say um, call it Moonbase Alpha. Yep. Um, that's that, that's a why wouldn't you? That's that's right kind right. of an inside joke because there was a show called Space 1999, and that was their base. It was Moonbase Alpha, uh, and that was on the moon. Sorry. There you go. In terms of like what you could potentially call, you know, the first moon base, I think that Alpha is pretty high up on that list. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's the first one because you expect to have more. They got a whole bunch of other uh, alpha or uh, letters you could use. Moon, yep. Moon base beta. <laughs> so what? What's a better environment for robots to go and um, create uh, their own robot army? Um, as far as, mi- as as far as resources go, do you think think Titan is a better suited for that or the Moon? Um. Well, I think. Maybe Titan, just in that they're already having or trying to install some sort of intelligence on the robot. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot more uh, dynamics that are going on. Like there's a more dynamic environment on Titan than there would be on the moon, which will cause the robots to have to actually adapt more and increase their intelligence. Whereas okay. on the moon, you don't get quite as much... Um, Stimulus? Change. I mean, you get like change in temperatures and whatnot, and you get pelted with meteorites and whatnot, but I mean, I don't know what else goes on the moon. But the moon's closer. On, on the, moon. the moon's closer. They can, the, once the robot army becomes established, they can spy on us using their robot ears. Well, I mean, like, if they do Titan, then they could actually just kind of bounce their way back and yeah. kind of start colonizing other satellites. We're all going to feel really <laughs> stupid if this whole, you know, sentient <laughs> robot thing never happens. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes for great conversation. Yeah, 20 years from now, we're still waiting. <laughs> Wasn't this about the time that we said back in 2012 that uh, the robot apocalypse was going to happen in 20, 20, 2030? Shut up, Dave. <laughs> You're going I don't soon. remember that. I've slept since then. <laughs> All right. Uh, good story. Interesting stuff. Uh, more robots, more intelligent, intelligent robots uh, taking over the solar system. I like it. Yeah, it's actually a really long story. That's like half of it. <laughs> yeah. I think you got to the gist. I think you pretty much summed yeah. it up pretty well. All right. So, not bad. Okay, uh, Time Traveling Robots in Space, brought to you by the fine folks at audible.com. 
Uh, if you're not really a reader, if you don't have time to read, like sit down and actually take in the words on the paper with your eyes or on your reader or whatever, uh, I highly suggest, we highly suggest uh, audible.com. It's audiobooks, and you can get a free 30-day trial to give you the chance to sample their service. Uh, go to audibletrial.com slash galactic netcasts. It's audibletrial.com slash galactic netcasts. And we always uh, pick out a book to highlight each week. And this week, it's Timeline by Michael Crichton. Does that name sound familiar, guys? Timeline? It does indeed. It was a movie. <laughs> but apparently the book's a lot better than the movie. I have heard that. Usually is. Yeah, that's usually <laughs> the case. So here's a brief kind of, it's a cross between a synopsis and just kind of talking about the author. Uh, Michael Crichton's novel opens on the threshold of the 21st century. It is a world of exploding advances on the frontiers of technology. Information moves instantly between two points without wires or networks. Computers are built from singular, uh, single molecules. Any moment of the past can be actualized and a group of historians can enter literally life in 14th century France. Imagine the risks of such a journey. So basically they're going back in time. And I think from another synopsis I read, uh, this uh, uh, professor gets caught back in time and his students try to go save him. I think that's the basic story of, of Timeline. So check it out if you're interested. It is on audible.com. Use that as your free book with your free 30-day trial or pick any other book for free for 30 days to uh, give you the chance to check out audible.com. We thank them for their support of the time-traveling robots in space. All right. Speaking of space, that's our next destination. Sector 3. Space. And, uh, Paul, you're, you're venturing us into space this time. I am indeed, sir. So, folks, let me preface this. Let me paint you a word picture. <laughs> let me establish what's going to happen here. I'm going to tell you a story. All right. And you can react accordingly. All right? So, can I, can I, can I Can I react with shock? You can, may. Can I, pra- um, can, I pra- can I practice it? <gasps> that see now this is why you need to watch the show it's because <laughs> Dave's reaction <laughs> is like ninety percent. YouTube, <laughs> YouTube.com slash Galactic Netcasts. Check it out. <laughs> All right, so uh, I will take my cut later. Let's go. Uh, so sit back and just listen. You know, grab a cup of coffee. I don't care. But this is this is interesting. Uh, Luca. How do you say this, Anessa? I'd say like Parmitano. Parmitano. Luca Parmitano. Is that a male or a female? I think it's a male. male. All right. Uh, Luca is an astronaut with the European Space Agency. He was working outside the International Space Station in mid-July and at at the start of a a six-and-a-half-hour spacewalk. For those who are unfamiliar with what a spacewalk is, it is when an astronaut goes outside in their spacesuit and basically just works. That's what they do. It's also called an EVA. Ah, see? Look at Dave with all of his knowledge. (laughs) Drop it. 
as he and his colleague, Chris Cassidy, began to work replacing some of the external hardware of the space station, Major Par- Parmitano's. Parmitano, thank you. Major Parmitano's helmet began filling with water. Now, yeah. <laughs> that in and of itself is kind of scary. Like why? Uh, but it wasn't like remember. it wasn't like a, a faucet open. It wasn't like gushing water. It was more like no. no it was just kind of trickling in. Okay, sure. In the absence of gravity, the liquid formed a bubble that filled his uh, that filled his ears, covered his eyes, and blocked his nostrils. So, again, this no, there is no gravity. So the water is pretty much going wherever. Uh, and unable to wipe the water away or take off his helmet while outside of the space station and blinded by the water, oh he was forced to, to feel his way back to the airlock, ending the spacewalk after an, just an hour and a half. My God. If the water had continued to spread around his face and covered his mouth, he would have been unable to breathe. Describing the experience during the video message beamed back from the space station, Major... Parmitano. Major Parmitano <laughs> said, "For a couple of minutes, I experienced what it was, what it felt like a goldfish in a fishbowl. It was thought that the water from his uh, suit's coolant system, a liquid filled with pipes designed to help regulate the astronaut's temperature while in space, was leaking through a hole in the ventilation system. When the astronaut began to see the water trickling into his helmet." NSA controllers on the ground in Houston NASA, called... NASA, Paul, oh. Paul NASA, not NSA. Did I say NSA? Yeah. I'm like, wow, I'm impressed with the NSA right now. Yeah, I don't That's want awesome. the NSA running my space program, sorry. <laughs> they run everything else. Why the hell not? Yeah. Uh, NASA, NASA as, in the, as in the space people. NASA controllers on, this, on the ground in Houston called a halt to the spacewalk and ordered the pair back to the airlock. Once inside, Major Parmitano faced a few tense moments while he walked, while he waited for Ma- for Commander Cassidy, a former Navy SEAL, to return for the door to be closed so the compartment could be repressurized. So, l- while blind, he was able to find his way back into the space station, but couldn't immediately take off his helmet because they have to wait for it to be repressurized. Oh my God! Right. Talk about they, agony. They couldn't close the door until the other astronaut made his way back in. Jeez. Like, that had to be really tense. Meanwhile, flight engineer Karen Nyberg, we'll just say Nyberg, a Russian cosmonaut on the space station, rushed to their aid to help Major Parmitano remove his helmet. By the time they had removed the helmet, more than a liter of water had formed a bubble around Major Parmitano's face, and they had to wipe it away with a towel. Wow. Uh, Commander Cassidy explained it was unclear how the water got into Major Pomitano's ventilation system, which blows oxygen from behind the astronaut's head. Engineers at, not the NSA, NASA, are now <laughs> working to understand how it happened, and they sent a repair kit to fix the leak on the to to fix the leak on board the unmanned Russian Progress supply vessel. That's a weird sentence. It is. Uh, the kit includes spare parts for the portable life support system that is mounted on the back of the spacesuit. Major Cassidy said it was a scary situation, but as the team, but as a team, we got everyone back. If it had continued to leak, it would have been really serious. I'm imagining the kit. I'm imagining the kit is one of those tire 
patching. I was thinking like bike repair kits or something, (laughs) like the inner tube repair. Yeah, (laughs) some putty, little squares, and the tube (laughs) stuff. And you put like the tape or whatever over (laughs) it. So coming to a theater near you, folks. Like, yeah. Well, there is that movie Gravity coming out, which looks a lot scare a lot scary situation than that. But still, it's like you're. You're drowning in space. Yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> it's not like yeah, because like you don't have gravity pulling the water down, where you're just watching it rise gradually. It's like it's gonna collect around gonna like collect your orifices. Around. Yeah. Ugh. So I'm like, that's just, and then like around your nostrils and your eyes, so you can't really see. That's crazy. So I'm like, that's just insane. Like I couldn't even imagine what was going through his head but can you imagine like i'm just curious by the whole blind sentiment like you are in space and you're attached to this thing and you're trying to feel your way back to the airlock (laughs) jesus do you think what do you think this was his first eva his first spacewalk or i doubt it i really Um, do i mean who knows but i have no idea maybe not I don't know how long he's been up there, so. Um, I didn't realize. Yeah, like I think it's really awesome that he was able to, you know, not freak out. I know, keeping your cool. <laughs> yeah. I am looking up to see if I can find if this was his first one or not. Major Parmitano. Yes. Thank you, Vanessa. You're welcome. <laughs> I don't know if that's correct, but that's how I would say it. No, that's that looks correct. So, hmm. yeah, it's just that's a cool story. I like. I was reading that. I'm like, geez, that yeah. That, somehow I, I missed that. that and they had a video of uh, Commander Cassidy, which is with the United States, um, that was basically explaining what was happening um, as far as where, not so much what caused the leak or why it was leaking, but like where it was leaking from. Like, here's the helmet. This is where the oxygen comes out. And this is where the water was coming from as well. And <laughs> so it was an interesting video if you have a couple of minutes to watch. He is Italy's first spacewalker. Italy's. So, yeah. But is it his right. first time spacewalking? That's a good question. I haven't figured that out yet. So he may have done it before. But since it sounds like NASA was the one sending the repair kit, I'm guessing it's probably one of our suits. Well, I don't think I don't think Italy has their own suits. I think they're probably using our suits because the yeah. way the way a lot of these space programs work is they're from other countries, but they work through NASA. Like they go, mm-hmm. they s- spend a lot of their career in Houston. Like uh, Chris Hadfield from Canada, he's part of the Canadian Space Agency, but he worked in Houston. You know, uh, right. using our equipment, our suits, and all that stuff. Yeah, it's kind of weird how that works because they use all of our equipment and suits and stuff, but then we go and fly up on the Soyuz, which is the Russians, and it's just really a really interesting mix. And I had heard somewhere, actually a friend of mine, I think it was, that mentioned it to me, that the Russians were looking at maybe separating from the International Space Station and trying to create like their own space station. Well, well, they their section on the space could, station... The, we, they could easily just unplug it. Yeah, we can't. We can't even go. Like, their section is completely separate from everybody else on on the right. ISS. 
So they're almost and, and the way that they designed it is they can easily just detach themselves. Whereas the United States, we're like embedded in the International Space Station. Yeah, we're huh. there for good. Not to digress so. too much, but United States and Russia relations aren't exactly solid at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, it's never really been all that solid anyway. Okay, so that was his first spacewalk. Okay. So really? talk about a <laughs> talk about a trial a scary by fire. First experience. Yeah. <laughs> And he managed to keep his cool. That was really awesome. Yeah. So I guess as long as he was able to breathe out his mouth. But I guess if it did end up, it got to the situation where, you know, water collected around his mouth, at least he could drink it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Just go. (laughs) I'm not sure that's a good idea either. (laughs) He's doing one of these. (laughs) Or he could just kind of like, well, he can't really inhale though, with it's the water there. But yeah, he could try to just like drink it and then. He's getting a light head. <laughs> <laughs> no, guys, I, I really gotta go to the bathroom now. Like, I, I, I can't, I can't hold anymore. I've had so much water. How much water do you put in these things? Just go in your suit. Go on, no, but then I'll have to just drink go it in again. Your suit, man. Yeah. I, no, that's disgusting. You're gonna die. I don't. Oh God. I'm pretty sure they have their oh. space diapers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're out there for six hours. I yeah. Don't, God. Yeah. You. you know, if, I think. don't remember. Well, I haven't watched a full spacewalk. I mean, I've watched chunks of them live, but I don't remember them coming in and taking bathroom breaks. No, I think you're right. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Great story. Uh, thank you, Paul. Thank you, Anessa. Let's move on before we uh, go to our picks section. Don't forget, you can listen to this show and all the other Galactic Netcast programs on Stitcher Smart Radio. Uh, Stitcher is an app you put on your phone or your Android or your tablet or your iPhone, your iPad, all kinds of different platforms. Uh, they've got extensions for a Chrome browser, for Firefox. It's in some vehicles. It's all, it's across the board. Stitcher Smart Radio is uh, a great way to listen to podcasts such as ours. You can either stream them or download download them to your device. Go to stitcher.com slash galactic netcasts and enter the promo code galactic netcasts and uh, listen to our shows. Well, of course, our shows, but uh, there's all kinds of other all kinds of other cool podcasts. And uh, uh, NPR does a really good job with their news on Stitcher. Like you can. You can sign up for news updates. If a breaking story happens, you actually get like a little report. Like uh, you get a notification on your phone or your device, and you can listen to the news report. So that's kind of a cool feature that Stitcher has. But um, there's a smart uh, station, which uh, kind of looks at what you're already subscribed to and then kind of creates other shows around that. So uh, check it out. Stitcher.com slash Galactic Netcasts and enter that promo code Galactic Netcasts and give us... uh, uh, show us some love. Um, we'll get a little money for the effort, and we will we will thank you for uh, using Stitcher. Paul, I see that you're making uh, adjustments to your to the dock. Are you ready for picks? Yes, yeah, sir. I can I can or either Anessa or or I can go no, first. No, no, it was fine. I just wanted to make sure I got my facts straight. Okay, all right. Well, it's it's picks time. Hang on one second. We need some uh, we need an intro for picks. So let's. Um, Let's play, or it's, yeah, let's play this. 
that'll, that'll be our intro for picks. What do you got, Paul? From? I have uh, no I, idea. I am recommending a YouTube clip of all things. A YouTube clip. It's actually it's more of a speech. Okay. And this speech is one is by one John Carmack. Does that name sound familiar to you at all? He's Mr. the Dave? he's the character that um, that Johnny Carson played on the Tonight Show, right? That is incorrect. Okay. You want to try again? Um, well, that was Carnack. Okay. Um, I have no idea who John Carmack is. Oh, that's so sad. But you know what? I'm not terribly surprised. Um, Carmack's legacy is in gaming. Big freaking surprise that I'm going to know surprise! about it. Okay, that's why um, I don't know who he is. I'm not a no, gamer. No, 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 no. Hear me out. Hear me, hear me out. Thank you. Jeez. That feistiness here, people. Email Dave. <laughs> Let's fight. Let's um, start, start something here. Uh, currently, he, one of his titles is the technical director for id Software, or CTO, basically. Um, he's a programmer by trade. And his pedigree is like some of the pinnacles of like real leaps forward in gaming, like the idea of a three-dimensional object, like it, like Wolfenstein or you know, Doom, or a host of other things. But anyway, um, he has made quite a bit of money, and recently they had Id Software has their I think it's yearly, but has their yearly kind of uh, event. And one of the things that they do is just basically allow John Carmack to speak. (laughs) And the guy is so brilliant and so just, like, incredibly long-winded. But one of his ventures, and I didn't know this, one of his ventures, one of his, like, private hobbies, if you can call it that, where he puts his fun money, which is in the millions, he puts his fun money is in rocket exploration. Cool. In which he builds, like he programs all of the stuff having to do with rocket, well, like how to do with rocket travel, and like at one point during the Q and A section during the keynote, he starts talking like he was asked about that particular venture, and listening to him speak is awesome, and you should absolutely listen to it. Uh, but you're looking for John Carmack QuakeCon 2013. Okay, we'll put the uh, link in the show notes of the podcast so you can check Indeed. it out for yourself. So what was your favorite yeah. part? What was uh, what what did you think was most interesting about it? Just his attitude about stuff. Like he comes from a a, a job that is so just kind of like it, it's amazing how much he equates the two. You know what I mean? We're talking about video games versus rockets. Like you'd think that like they could not be further apart, but he approaches it in much the same way. Like, as a programmer, as a job, like, a matter of course, he approaches it in a lot of the same way that he does everything else. And it's just, he, I don't know how that man keeps so much stuff in his head. Like, he just references these things off the top of his, off the top of his head that is just like, I, I don't, oh my gosh, it just, <laughs> anyway, he's, um, he started Armadillo Aerospace. That is, that is the name of the That's company. That's a badass name. Yeah, I know. I know, man. But yeah, there was a there was a competition a while back, and that was one of the things that like that was one of the things that uh, they competed in. There, um, people like him and people like uh, Elon Musk are a rare breed. Right. You know? right? They just like they have a lot of extra money, and they think, "Hey, we should do space." <laughs> and that's like the coolest. I think that's a really cool way to go about it. You know, I mean. Um, 
because why not? <laughs> and these guys, all these guys are like almost, they grew up, you know, watching the space program. So I'm sure they're as frustrated as we are with the state of space exploration. So they're like, you know what? Let's, we'll just do it privately and, and uh, screw you guys. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I've, I've watched Elon Musk speak, and he's, he's very impressive as well. They all are. I mean, really, when you get to that level, and like, and it's not some dry CEO talking about like some business dude talking about just a bunch of you know like sales quarter numbers or shit like that. It's just not. It's like these guys are deep involved. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. And they're all just hyper smart. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. All right, Anessa, is everything okay? You look like you uh, heard something in the house. No, it's outside. Like, I heard someone shouting. Oh. Oh. And I went to go look out the window, and it's, like, some lady on her cell phone with two kids, and she's just, like, yelling on the phone, cursing. Oh, my God. Crossing the street from my window, and I'm like, what's going on? Like, at first I thought maybe people were fighting, but she's just on the phone. She has two kids, and she's, like, cursing up a storm, and I'm like, Great. That'll be fine. (laughs) I'm sure Keep it classy, then. Yeah. <laughs> Stay classy. Sorry, guys, I was like, just wanted to make sure like no one was getting beat up. Yeah. <laughs> what a good citizen you are. So. All right. Thank I try you. Sometimes. Thank you, Paul. Uh, great pick. Gonna have to check that out for myself. Uh, my pick is the Europa Report. Are you guys familiar with this movie? It's a movie. I've heard of it. Uh, they're doing I've something. Heard of it. They're, it's an interesting thing that they're doing. A lot, uh, uh, a lot of independent films are doing this. They are releasing it in theaters and on pay-per-view at the same time. Mm. Um, because it's, cool. it's kind of limited run. Like it wasn't available at any theater around where I live. But I looked online. They actually made it available before it was in theaters, but at a higher price. Once it hit the theaters, they lowered the price to $8, which is about the same as you would pay actually less than you would pay at a theater to see a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and this movie's also been praised for its um, accuracy in how it portrays science and technical aspects of it. So, uh, here's the uh, short synopsis. Uh, and it stars um, the guy from District 9, Charlotte Copley, mm-hmm. who uh, I just learned recently that District 9 was his very first movie. He was you didn't actually know that? Oh, cool. Yeah, I didn't know that. He's uh he was actually on the like the creative side before that. Like the like uh the film part of it and the the uh the production side. He was an, an actor before District 9. Well, that was the thing, man. Like that's why one of the reasons Neil Plutenkamp got such high praise is that he just kind of found this guy and he this actor knocked it out of the park. He did so well. And all, you know what? All of his, all of his, like talking to the camera stuff, completely winged. He winged the whole thing. That was not That's scripted so cool. at all. So I can't wait to see wow. Elysium. Just side note. Yeah, he's in Elysium too, and directed by Neil Bonkamp as well. So here's a brief synopsis: uh, Six astronauts embark on a privately funded mission to Europa, one of the uh, moons of Jupiter, to try to find potential sources of life. Following a disastrous technical failure and the death of one of the crew, the remaining crew attempt to reestablish communications with Earth. They continue their mission, reaching Europa's orbit and landing on the moon. 
The crew probe the ocean beneath the ice, but the probe receives a heavily a heavy dose of radiation from the depths of the ocean. It is then struck by an unknown object and contact is lost. So it's very much it's a found footage film because they never they never uh, regain communications with the with the mission. So uh, I guess they went to Euro another mission went to Europa and found the footage. I don't know how they got it, but it's basically told through found footage, and it's very much a horror film. I mean, it's like oh, but it's not the monster is never shown. It's all like um, like Blair Witch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you you never see it. You get hints of it. You know, there's noises. There's there's light. You know, there's all this other stuff, but they never actually show the monster. And apparently, it whatever it is is underneath the ice of Europa. Huh. huh. So yeah, I I highly recommend it. I mean, if you if you like science fiction and really well done science fiction, then you should definitely check out Europa Report. All right. Cool. Um, one of the cool things I, I really liked about the film is, um, you know how spaceships they'll, you know, in movies they'll. Every every part of the ship is got gravity, you know. Mm-hmm. Even though that we haven't figured out the whole gra- artificial gravity thing, with this one, the only part of the ship that has gravity is the one that's spinning, you know, creating the As gravity. Yeah, but the yeah. rest, like the the front part, the comp- like the um the 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 um the pilot area, the cockpit, the 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 place where you you know run the ship or whatever, pilot it. That has no gravity. So there's this ladder going from the crew quarters, the part that's spinning, to the cockpit area. And it's cool because they show them walking up. And at one point, they lose gravity and they start floating. It's really kind of cool. how Because <laughs> you never see that like barrier between the two in any, any other movies. Cool. There you go. That's my pick. Sounds like a cool pick, actually. Oh, it's really good. So, how about yours, Anessa? What do you got? Well, like I said on last week's show, I was going to watch Somewhere in Time, because none of us have watched it, <laughs> and we had feedback. I don't remember if the caller gave his name. No, it's it, yeah, hang on. Hang on one second. Um, we'll hear from him again. Uh, here it is. Hey, guys, call me Speaker. 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 Okay. (laughs) Well, speaker, (laughs) I watched Somewhere in Time, and your question was, where does the pocket watch come from? (laughs) Um, It just exists. It's a paradox. Okay. Spoilers. Okay. Uh, But essentially, like, so Somewhere in Time stars Christopher Reeves and um, Jane Seymour. And Christopher Reeve is a playwright, and he's written and produced plays, and at the end of one of his plays, I think it was at the end of his first play that was actually done on stage, um, this old lady comes up to him and gives him a pocket watch and says, come back to me. And she turns around and leaves. (laughs) And... Christopher Reeve hangs on to the pocket watch. She's like, okay, crazy old lady. And eight years into the future, 
Um, the girlfriend that he was with at the beginning, he's no longer with. He's got writer's block. He decides he wants to get out of town. He goes to this hotel called the Grand Hotel, and he basically falls in love with a picture that he sees in the history room of the hotel. And he becomes so obsessed with this picture that he tries to find out who it is, and then he goes to the library and looks up all the information that he can possibly find about this person. And then he wills himself to the past to be with this person. Oh, uh, what? <laughs> How the hell? And it's like, to me, the movie was basically Christopher Reeve being a bit of a creeper. <laughs> that is, that, that does take it to a new level. <laughs> it, it does. But he just becomes so obsessed with this person. And, yeah, he ends up going back in time to be with this person. Is this, a, and this must be a super old movie. It was from 1980. Um, well, it was released in 1980, but he's traveling from 1979, I believe. I want to say it was 1979. At least the coins he had was like 1979. Um, and he goes back to 1912 when she was huh. actually at the hotel. So they never so. do they do they ever explain how he does it or is it just sheer will? No, they they do. Well, <laughs> during his research, um, he goes. I'm just basically telling you guys the movie. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so during his research, he, um, I guess, reads a book about the actress, which he's obsessed about. She's stars in plays. And um, so he goes to find the author of this book because she's still alive. Um, and he talks to her. And apparently it was like a close friend or someone of the lady that gave him the pocket watch, the old lady. And he was talking to her about it. And there's this book that, I forget the title, it's something like, travels through time and it's written by a guy that just so happened to be like his college professor is one of his college professors so he decides to go back and talk to this college professor like eight years after he's taken the class and he asks the professor he's like hey do you think that the um, concept of time travel do you think like time travel can happen and the guy was like well let me tell you the story about how I willed myself to go back to 17 or 1517 and he was like, I was there for like a little bit, but then I saw familiar things from the present that sent me back, and it left me really tired and drained, and I'll never do it again. And so Christopher Reeve basically wills himself back to the past. That's the worst <laughs> premise in the world for time travel. <laughs> it's like, I think I can, I think I can. I th it's like the little train that could. <laughs> So, I mean, like, I I was reading through some of the comments on, like, Get Glue, and they're like, oh, I love this movie, or my wife loves this movie, or my grandmother loves this movie. And it's not a bad movie, but it's not one that I'd, like, watch repeatedly or ever again. <laughs> or ever again, or never in the <laughs> like, first or place. Ever again. It was okay for a one-time thing. And, yeah, like, the thing with the watch, it, you do really wonder, like, how does it come to be? But it just ends up being like this loop. Like the pocket watch just is in the movie. Maybe the watch is actually what caused him to go back in time. 
maybe. So, yeah, it was just really... It was an interesting movie. <laughs> and it has a depressingly happy ending. <laughs> a, what does that mean? I asked her the same thing in the pre-show. <laughs> asked me the same thing. And I like Dave's response, like his question. What was your response, Dave? Oh. Do you remember? Oh, Oh the like dog. Your description of oh the dog's dead, but he's in a much p- happier place. <laughs> That's essentially it. <laughs> so, right. unless you guys want me to tell you the ending. No, 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 no. Got to leave. Yeah, and we don't need because I'm not going to watch it, so it's not really. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it has kind of a depressingly happy ending. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. We've all grown. Yes. We've all learned a lot on this show, <laughs> including how you should never go back in time by willing yourself. But now, yeah, he just becomes like this, like, he comes across as a creeper to me in this movie because he just becomes so obsessed with this picture and finding out about this person. And is he, is like at this? some point, he's like caressing the picture and then he's like hugging it on the wall and... Like, it's still mounted on the wall, and he's like... He puts the lotion (laughs) on his skin. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. All right. No, we should move on. Okay. Good idea, Paul. Very good idea. Best idea I've heard all day. All right. That's my pick. Somewhere in time. Thank you, Anessa. That was awesome. And it was a very good, very good question from speaker, and... Yeah, the only answer that I have is it just exists. Hey guys, call me speaker. Much like speaker approved. It just happened. Thanks for listening. All right, uh, that's going to do it for that portion of the show. (laughs) Before we move on to the question of the week, don't forget you can purchase items that we talk about, including our picks, at the store at galacticnetcasts.com. Not only our picks, that we uh, we go we we take you to an Amazon store, okay? I don't have a store in back of my apartment. It's through you Am- yeah, that would be awesome. Um, so at the store you can get our picks, and also at the store you can buy T-shirts from us. So uh, galacticnetcasts.com, and go to the store there. One of the T-shirts you can get is "Be Excellent to Each Other," Pulse Wickard. Are you liking that shirt still? <laughs> Have you wore out in public yet? No. <laughs> Doesn't that... Okay, I think we discussed this. I feel like that's a bit of a douchey thing Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but if they don't know who you yeah. are, then... That's true. If you're just going out I mean, the corner if... store or whatever. But see, then they'll ask, and then I'll have to explain it. <laughs> so, <laughs> like The first quote. impression is... is <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is your wife wearing hers? Yeah, she is, actually. Okay. Nice. Cool. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, we got the store at galacticnetcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Google+. And uh, don't forget to subscribe to the show, uh, Time Traveling Robots in Space, or the Mega Feed, which gets you every single one of the podcasts of Galactic Netcast. So do all those, th- all those things, and we'll be happy. We'll be, we'll be thanking you for it. All right, time for the question of the week. Um, and Anessa, you since you prepped the show, you asked the question. What is it? All right, so 
what is your favorite sci-fi movie or TV show opening or closing, if you prefer, theme song? So opening or closing theme song from your favorite... It's basically your favorite opening or closing theme song is what I'm looking for. I like for this question. In the sci-fi or no. like movie or TV. This is a great question. Um, it's a toss-up for me. I was going to say Star Trek The Next Generation, but Paul already mm-hmm. has a... Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, so instead of... In lieu of that, I'm going to go with the uh, Stargate SG-1 TV theme song, which is pretty epic. Cool. Oh. All right. You is guess, it my turn? Yeah, it's your turn. Like whoever wants to go next. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I got to go with the DS9 theme. Good stuff. I really like that theme quite a bit. Which one? Because it changed slightly right. after like season right. four. So I'm going to go with the latter. Okay. All right. Because they, they kind of added drums to it. They added mm-hmm. drums, made it a little bit more urgent. For the first they few made se- it a bit more percussive. Yes. Percussive. Great word. <laughs> And Anessa, what's your answer? And me. I actually had a little bit of a hard time uh, choosing the the songs. Cause I, I don't know. So I went with the original Battlestar Galactica theme song because I really like the horns at the beginning. They just sound so like, let's get pumped up and travel oh, yeah. through space and battle Cylons. Yeah. So totally. it just has that feel to it. And it like, I don't know. I just really love it. And what's funny is I've never actually like watched any of the original series wow (laughs) but the music so yeah like it's on my queue and i've been wanting to watch it forever i've just never like gotten around to it but i've where i actually first heard the theme song was on the new uh battlestar galactica because i think they use it as like the yeah it's like their um, anthem or something like that anthem yeah when um the president comes out so yeah, like that's where I first heard it, and I'm like, I really dig this theme song. Um, I had also kind of thought about the closing theme for the new Battlestar Galactica because I just like the drums. <laughs> oh yeah, that yeah. Mary yeah. McCreary does. It's got kind of a tribal feel to it on the closing credits, and then of course the other one would be the Doctor Who theme song. But I noticed something with me. I really like the horns, <laughs> so it would have to. Be- a very orchestral sound that the tenth doctor has for his theme song before they changed it this season. So I just like the horns and the violins and stuff, but I'm gonna have to go with the original Battlestar Galactica. Okay, theme. I've I got it queued up here. You wanna hear it? Hang sure. on. Okay, hang on. I gotta find it where it starts. Okay. Okay, here it is. That. Yep. Here we go. <laughs> Good stuff, man. I like. I just really enjoy it because it's just so like, yeah, space. Yeah, let's kick some ass. <laughs> No, you no. you really struck a nerve with me because that I was in love with that TV show because I was at a certain age when that TV show came out. I actually recorded on my tape recorder, audio tape recorder, <laughs> the 
the first episode, the pilot episode, like the two-hour movie. I, I watched it live on ABC or whatever <laughs> channel. I think it was ABC. And I would play it back over and over again. And I would that theme, I just loved that theme. So I, I like your pick. I like your, quest, your answer. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. But yeah, it just sounds so like, yay, let's go kick some Cylon butt. Yeah. <laughs> They really tried to uh, do a whole with that whole show. They it was basically a Star Wars um, clone, uh, and it, right. and it goes for the music too. It it kind of has that vibe to it. It does have that vibe, and I really dig that vibe. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. this was. Oh, I think this was John Williams. I think John Williams wrote it, and I think that's his orchestra. I believe. I oh, think. Oh, really? Yeah, I think. There was a lot of French horn in that, so... <laughs> it's a possibility. <laughs> that's a good sign. All right. All right. That's going to do it. Um, don't forget to leave us feedback, 805-328-3966. That's our voicemail and our text message number. Uh, Stu Phillips. Okay. I was totally that's right. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Uh, galacticnetcast at gmail.com is the email address. Subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us five-star and a quick review of the show. And uh, that's going to do it for episode number 60 of the Time Traveling Robots in Space. Final thoughts. Let's go around the room. Anessa, you go first. Let's kick some Cylon butt. I'm going to listen to it after the show is done. Awesome. Pump me up for a Friday. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's get it done. All right, Paul, final thought. Be excellent to each other. Do you ever want to, like, have an additional one? Anytime that you want an additional okay, one, you can. let me just tell you something. I tried that once, and you got mad at me. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> I don't. I don't recall that. Dave was not happy about it. You uh, were all pumped, ready for me to say what I say, and I said something different, and you were just like, "Oh, come on!" <laughs> That's not you in the show. <laughs> so ever since then, I've been scared of you, Dave, and I just can't. I I, I don't want to say anything else. No. Okay. <laughs> I have I have mellowed over time. All right. I've loosened up a little bit. So you are. You're free to, as long as you have the final, the very final thought, be excellent to each other, you can add, you can have something at the beginning. Like, this is my pre-final thought, this is my final thought. <laughs> Isn't, I, I'm not going to discuss the logistics <laughs> of what a final thought is. I guess it really wouldn't be a final thought if you uh-uh. had one before the final thought. <laughs> this is our pre-final thought, this is the final thought. Yeah. It'd be the second to last thought. This is the weekly second to last thought. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's going to do it. Uh, Thanks for joining us, guys, and we'll talk to you two later. Bye. Bye. Leave your hailing frequencies open and scanners on full because another Galactic Netcast will be approaching your coordinates soon. For more information, go to galacticnetcasts.com.